0: There's a of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us it a so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on.
1: I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on November the 3rd, 2008. Newcomers should look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. That's the website. And download as many of the previous talks as I've put up there. Work your way through them and you'll learn an awful lot about the, the real world and how it's managed. It's not governed really. It's managed. I try and tie it together for you as best I can with my experience of reading so many books. I think I'm almost blind with them. But what you'll find is that nothing happens in complete secrecy. Uh, Many of the big players down through history have published their own works on the world they were bringing in. The big foundations do it too, and the members of the big foundations have written hundreds and hundreds of books on the future. They're always planning the future and making it happen, bringing it in the way they planned. That's how the world is really run. Also look into eu and download as many transcripts as you want. You can print them up, read them, or pass them around to your friends. And that's the key to everything. Uh, when you eventually clue into how the world is run, you'll find it's always been planned. You plan the future if you are in the real government, the ones behind the phony ones we we think we vote in. And we don't really vote them in, as I say. We vote the previous bunch out, we're so sick of them, because they never do what we think they're supposed to do. So if we always live in hope, we have an optimism part in the brain. And this is known, too. A little part of the brain gives you optimism. And that can be encouraged to be egocentric, so you always become the bright side, and therefore you never learn. You keep voting the new crooks in and then get fed up after four or five years and vote them out and hope for the best for the next bunch. It's like a, a revolving casino or the door even to a casino. That's what it's like. But the world is run by much, much bigger powers and those in power to retain power must always control uh, the future. George Orwell started off his book 1984 on that very topic about who controls the past, controls the future and so on and that's how it truly is. For the last 50 years or so egocentronic behavior was truly promoted from the top down and they also gave the people more leisure time to promote the behavior and gave them television and movies, etc. And people truly spend a big part of their life living in fiction, never realizing that that which they're enjoying has deeper aspects to it and has deeper purposes, not for your entertainment, but actually to program you into accepting events and situations and a society that hasn't quite appeared on the horizon yet. It's called predictive programming. And everything that you see goes through committees to make sure they have the right content of programming in it. And that's why TV programs are called programs. They're meant to program you. Now, as I say, when we're living in an egocentric society, just playing and being happy, it takes me back to what, Bert, what um, Aldo Huxley talked about. He said... In his speech at Berkeley. He says, what's wrong, he says, with making people happy? Now, he was talking in the context of using drugs or even putting implants in their brain to keep them happy. Stupid, ignorant, but happy. We're almost at that stage now. And I'll be back with more after this break. reality that you've been conned into believing exists you're you're told that there are myriads of bureaucrats and politicians and experts above you that deal with all the big problems and they convince you of course the problems are massive and too complex for you to understand they give you terms like global warming and how they have to deal with it and carbon dioxide output etc all these big abstract concepts that really are bogus, but that doesn't matter, you see. The whole idea is to keep you always in a state of being afraid and anxious of your own life, and they, they gain power and keep power over you by, by doing so, and make you do ridiculous things like pay them to deal with these abstract concepts, as if money could make it all go away. And that's how simple it is. You never ask where the money goes to realize that the big system that runs us above us is one big corrupt con game and it's not meant that money goes to what what they say it goes to the big charitable foundations and over the years we've seen many exposés of where the money goes to in charities and and often they found that less than 5 cents per dollar ever went to the actual cause it was prescribed for We saw after the big tsunami deal that when every government in the West matched dollar for dollar for charity, for charitable contributions across the world, every country did it, and they ended up in billions of dollars, they then put Bush Senior and Bill Clinton in charge of the money, and that's the last we heard of it, and we never see any follow-up except the follow-ups on the very countries that were supposed to get the money. And here they are, usually later, are still picking up pieces of corrugated iron to patch their roofs up in their old houses, putting it all together themselves. That's how the world is really run. It's one big pirate corporation at the top. The things with the pirates, you see, the pirates believe that their job is to do exactly as they're doing, to plunder the populace below, the commoners, the simple people, the the sheep and they do give themselves titles like good shepherds they guide the sheep and so on and they do guide the future there's no doubt whatsoever on that and a person who doesn't plan their own future will have someone else plan it for them now you have a whole world not just nations but a whole world being planned and the plans are implemented and seem absolutely ridiculous to the few people in the world who still have conscious and thinking and functioning reasoning minds. Most people don't think too deeply about anything. They learn by osmosis from the television. Rather sad, but true. We've watched implementation of complete total martial law across the planet the same martial law across the planet that came out instantly pretty well after 9-11 and we forget in some of the countries that these martial law bills were actually put through in 1998 in other countries in the British Commonwealth before anything had happened that happened in Canada, Alan Rock put through the giant omnibus crime bill nothing was going on at the time, in the mid 90s suddenly They were having disaster workouts in little towns across Canada and other countries in Europe even to do with possible man-made disasters or natural disasters using fire departments, military police and so on and actors acting the part of injured people. They never had these scenarios carried out during the entire Cold War when supposedly we're in fear of our lives every day, of being nuked, But suddenly, after the Soviet Union was down, we had all these practice drills. All preparing for a future was already planned. And no doubt 9-11 was planned in near too long ago. To bring in the big totalitarian society. The way it's supposed to be. It's not evolving that way, it's supposed to be this way, according to those at the top. It's simply too untidy the way it is. And who wrote about how untidy this all was and how this society should be planned? Big players who were propagandists for this organization were writing about it at the beginning of the 1900s and working for it too, like H.G. Wells. He said it was so ridiculous, and actually it is. I got a different tangent from Wells, on how it should possibly be. Well, sadly, he said that truth. He says so many people go into the same school system. They all emerge competing for the same few jobs. And mainly in private business, even small business and shopkeepers and so on. He said, how many bicycle repairmen do you need? And he really thought it was just too untidy. He thought that there should be uh, an agency that decided what you'd be trained in at school. The Soviet system, you see, appealed to him. He went over, along with many of his peer group, to visit the early Soviet system. He was very impressed by it. So much, so he left his son to study with Pavlov. And he became a a zoologist, the particular son. And as I say, Wells was not a lone wolf. These were not his ideas. These were the ideas already existent in our extent in societies and agencies he belonged to, like the Fabian Society. We see school to work. That's, again, the Soviet idea. That's happening, too, already. And to, as I say, the thinking mind, much of what's being implemented today seems very bizarre. But it's not bizarre at all to the average person who does not think, they just accept whatever comes their, their way. They're too busy being happy and playing, as, as Huxley said. Again, back to what I said before the break, that's what Huxley did say at Berkeley, what's wrong with making people happy? And he meant, by any means possible, even meant stimulating the, the centers in the brain to make them happy. Now, so technically, if you're happy in the middle of insanity, you, you yourself are insane that didn't matter. It was the object of being happy that was important. A happy population will allow anything to be done to it, and they will not react to... In other words, the self-preservation has been destroyed. When you see lockdowns in schools everywhere, whereas children get patted down going in to schools when they get locked in their schools during lunchtime as was reported in britain recently uh, they want to literally force the children to eat what they think is proper foods therefore they're going to lock down the schools for lunchtime when you see all this kind of thing happening when you see armored vehicles in the street and your cops buying armored vehicles what nurse do you think These things are all about what they're for. Now, I've I've, I've, I've mentioned the same report many times from the Department of Defense, their big think tank, on their 30 years of intensifying a riot starting around the year 2010. And that's what they foresee in the NATO countries. And that's what the Department uh, of Defense sees coming down what nurse is going to make people all all panic and riot at the moment they're quite happy they're still playing and dressing up for halloween etc something needs to be reserved for children very very young children Now the adults all do it what would nurse to make them stop wearing their costumes and being happy and riot well it's because going to be crisis after crisis. We're in a period of crisis creation. And the purpose of crisis creation is just like the purpose of war. It's to change society. Professor Carl Quigley mentioned that. That was the real purpose of war. Now in Canada, it's always had the reputation of being a fairly quiet country. Quiet as, as far as social disturbance goes, you'll have your usual thing the drunks and so on, and domestic disputes and all of that kind of stuff. Especially when booze is the most heavily promoted drug out there, promoted from the top and by all the big corporations and ball games, etc. It's also one of the most damaging on the, the physical system. And the spin offs are. Too numerous to mention to do with the fallout in society. But when you see the police buying armored vehicles, and remember too, we're at an age supposedly where we're bankrupt. We're all forgetting about two weeks ago we're all bankrupt, supposedly. Meanwhile the military is putting in orders for billions of dollars worth of new toys. And so are the police. The police are the biggest purchasers of military equipment today. And they're getting all their toys. Now, why do you think they're getting their toys? Why would services that are supposed to be responsible to the public and exist on the sufferance of the public be acting as though they're an independent body with a, a wish list for Christmas and always get what they want? Why would they be getting all of these particular toys. This is an article from The Globe, Wednesday, June 25th, 2008, about British Columbia. This is Vancouver Police to get armour on wheels. The Vancouver Police Department is beating up its fleet, and the new Machines No Puny Gizmo approved $345,000 for an armoured rescue vehicle. A rescue vehicle? Changes the perception by the terminology. Back with more of this after this break. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the Matrix. Talking about how the police, the world over really, are just another arm now of the military. And they have been given authority to do what they're doing, regardless of how it appears to the public, the authority to basically become completely militarized. And they are a military institution. They have the uniforms, they have the little ribbons that they wear for service, etc. They have officers with the spaghetti on their caps and their epaulettes that they wear, and dress uniforms, and so on. But the public are misled often by perceptions, and perceptions are altered by the use of terminology, or psycho- psycholinguistics, as I like to call it. Now, I'm talking here about uh, an article from The Globe about British Columbia. It's only one place is buying these particular trucks. It's usually uh, armoured vehicles. And this one here is $345,000. And they call it a rescue vehicle, you see. Now, an armoured vehicle, to me, is an armoured vehicle. Forget the rescue part. And it says, Inspector Tony Zanata of the Vancouver Police Emergency Response Team says, the armoured car will let officers go where they couldn't go safely before. And yeah, they could ram through houses with this. That's where they could go with it. It says they will be able to approach armed suspects with vehicles and bar- with vehicles and those who are barricaded in houses, deal with bomb scares and transport wounded people out of dangerous situations without fear of being shot. The only people who are in danger of being shot are the people at the other end of the barrels of the guns of the police forces these days, these SWAT teams. He says, now here's, here's how they phrase it to the public. This, this is what I really, really gets my, my goat, as we say. It's the use of terminology. Again, the rescue vehicle, right? Now, I've seen the ones in Northern Ireland. These were armoured vehicles, which were... The reason they're armoured is because they're doing something to the public, which the public objects to, and therefore they'd retaliate against those inside. That's why they armour armoured vehicles. That's why they have them in Afghanistan and places where those countries have been invaded by U.S. and European troops. Here's what he says. It's not a tank. It's a tool. Well, so is a flamethrower. But I don't like my cigarette with it. He it says, it's simply that. It's a shield. It's a ballistic shield that's mobile, he said. Some places in the U.S. cities, including Los Angeles and New York, use Lenko Bearcat armored vehicles. One of the options Vancouver is considering it takes fear the Hawking trucks versions of which are also used in active combat, would militarize the city streets and give police a tool for crowd control. A tool for crowd control. What on earth can a crowd control we're talking about here? Why would a crowd be attacking the police? Why? What would the police be doing to the crowd to be attacked in the first place? They'd be in fear of their lives. Think about that. Inspector Zanata said that this is not the case. He said here's the terminology that he's using terminology that they're given by the marketing companies. He says that's sexy, but it's silly, he said. Why would you do that? You don't move into a riot situation. That's not what the purpose of their deployment is. The Vancouver Police Department's emergency response team deals with about three hundred and fifty critical incidents a year. Now that's how they get called out, but how many of them end up being critical? So as I said, he estimates the police will use the vehicle 50 to 100 times a year. This isn't some fancy toy. Well, I wouldn't, I'd say so at that kind of price, too. This is pretty much now a standard piece of equipment for emergency response teams. Well, you know, not so long ago, emergency response teams did not exist as such. We forget that, too. The whole move towards it, to get the public to accept what was coming, was particular television shows like Hill Street Blues where they humanized SWAT teams working with the ordinary police. That's how they portrayed it to the public. Then they brought in real things gradually across the Western world after giving them a few years' dosage of Hill Street Blues. Now, that's standard fare on television. There's lots of programs, TV, fictional reports like that, where they humanize. Remember, everything you're shown on TV is propaganda, especially to do. Was law enforcement, and Jack Zilal went through the whole process of that in his book called Propaganda. This article goes on to say the police department decided it needed a vehicle like this a couple of years ago, and it's taken until recently to convince the city of its value. And it goes on and on and on. And they also justify it by the fact that every other place is getting the same kind of thing, the same kind of vehicle. And they'd be rather miffed, they'd be pouting if they didn't get theirs. That's how it's put across. Well, if they've got them in Haiti, well, we should have them, too. Or if they had them in the Soviet Union, well, we should have them, too. As though that rationalized it and made it correct. And the public have been so used to seeing movie after movie after movie of the futurist scenario with armored vehicles in the streets and rubble that used to be standing houses in urban centers that they're already programmed for what's to come. True fiction. Through fiction. And it's amazing, as I say, when we're supposed to all be bankrupt, how they can just go ahead and buy and buy and buy all this kind of security equipment. It's mind-boggling what's happening in the purchasing of security equipment and surveillance for Total Information Control. Back with more after this break.
0: You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network, because you can handle the truth.
1: Hi, folks, I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. I was going to read a lot of documents on more surveillance equipment that's coming out. All at the same time across the Western world, but you know it's too there's too much of it to even go through in an hour. So it's so much of it, and the fact is to say that it's all synchronised to come out at the same time. It tells you that this was in the works and the planning long ago. It took lots of cooperation between governments to to bring all this new surveillance type equipment into being. There's also lots of towers going up across. Canada and the States and Europe that are different from the usual cell phone towers. They're like big long poles but 50 feet high with almost, they look like standing microphones with a sock on the end. And they have their own transformers and massive, massive heavy cables going into the base when you see them getting built. And there's no ownership on them from, say, British Telecom or anything like that just warnings on very high voltage. And I, I suspect this is to do with the technotronic warfare technology that Brzezinski and others have talked about bringing into use. The technology that will manage the emotions and the moods of people and make them very passive if required. It can also make them very aggressive if they require data too. And I really do think that's what it's all about because... It's time now for the riots to start in a few years and they want to control the public and basically tranquilize them. They'll probably call it a calmative tower. I just love this word, calmative. A calmative tower is working on you. And here's another item, too, to do with the Internet and how... I, I really am amazed that anyone truly thinks they have anything secure and secret on the Internet... It's never existed since it was given to the public. Never. Even before 9-11, the computers were set up, remember, and given to the public after being thoroughly tested by the military-industrial complex all through the Cold War. And it was given out to the public to gather information about the public, data collection, Predictability of every individual. That's essential for totalitarian systems. Based on an article from TG Daily, and it's from September twenty-four, two thousand and eight. Big Brother potentially exists right now in our PCs, complements of Intel's VPro by Rick C. Hodgin. It says Intel announced the third generation of its VPro technology for business PCs. Comprised of CPU, motherboard, and networking components, vPro is essentially a set of techniques or technologies which enable remote monitoring, maintenance, and manage in a PC. Intel builds these as tools useful for IT professionals, which they are but shouldn't be, be looking deeper into the potential threat of such technologies. he goes on about the old way of doing it via OS, and the new way is a new way. It's covert remote access. Intel's preferred solution today is to have a PC equipped with an Intel Core 2-based processor Q45 chipset and an 82567LM network chip. This combination of components allows covert remote access via something Intel calls vPro, and it's built right in. This combination of hardware from Intel enables vPro access ports which operate independently of normal user operations, these include out of band communications, communications that exist outside of the scope of anything the machine might be doing through an OS or hypervisor, monitoring and altering of incoming and outgoing traffic network. In short, it operates covertly and snoops and potentially manipulates data. Then it goes on about vPro as a tool. Again again, everything's a tool. Everything is bad for you as a tool. Depends how it's used, right? So VPro was created to be a useful tool for IT professionals, and it basically says that it, would, it was supposed to bypass a potentially crashed OS and any office security and safety protocols which may or may not be operating at the time of the crash. And this new third generation, just released, now allows a PC user to press a few keystrokes even in the midst of total operation system crash, when not even the mouse pointer is responding. This sends a dispatch to IT indicating the user needs help. Interesting, this also shows that the motherboard is monitoring all keystrokes all the time. But is that all vPro is doing? Access to the machine through vPro is available via remote connection, regardless of the machine's CPU state. doesn't matter if it's turned on or off, what it's, what it's doing or who is using it. And this is where the concern comes in. Since vPro operates on the main system bus via the Q45 chipset and on the CPU via Core 2 and we know that it monitors at the very least every keystroke. It theoretically allows access to not only every piece of hardware connected to the system bus, but also to every byte of memory currently in use, even while the machine is not running. The motherboard provides access to all hardware, including memory. The CPU to special software and compute abilities and communications allows it to send and receive behind the scenes. In short, because of the type of components utilized to make vPro work. It says a remote user could theoretically gain access to the entire system covertly through vPro, and then it's just a matter of snooping through the memory and hard drive files until whatever they're looking for is found. Well, you see, that's not a mistake. That's not a mistake. Of course, it's built in on purpose because the world we're going into is for total access, and it's the law that every computer must be available for access remotely, by security agencies. You know, that law was put in in the 90s. All communications devices, including tax machines and telephones that were sold, had to have a special chip put in them from then on. And people truly think they're still free. And what's amazing, too, is that they still put all their data up on the Internet, all their personal data, and a young generation has been encouraged that you don't want free, free uh, privacy. In fact, privacy is anti-social. Put everything up on MySpace, and they're doing it. What tyrant in history you have dreamed of having this kind of power over people? It's incredible. Absolutely. Totally. Incredible. And the next phase, as we know, is to put out a system and computers there which technically are just like telephones, all your data will be stored remotely and it will also be used as a tool to keep you in place because if you're anti-social, meaning you've broken some rule or whatever, not a law but a rule, then you won't have access to any information. And in the system that's coming up, it will be essential to have the computer completely for all financial transactions and so on. This is an article from BBC News, Microsoft to Battle in the Clouds, by Rory Salan Jones, technology correspondent, BBC News, Los Angeles. And this was on about the new system of having remote servers which will handle all data, and how convenient it'll be. You do not need a, a hard drive with a certain limitations. It'll all be done for you. But it also means, as we well know, is to make it easier for all security agencies to have immediate access to all your data. That's really the point of it. And I was going to read this, but I I won't even bother. You can look it up yourself. It's an interesting article that that Microsoft's going to go into this in a big way. They see this as the way of the future, and I'm, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it was even designed that way before we were given the first primitive computers, and I say primitive because we're dished out technology that's always long-obsolete. And compared to the stuff that's using that, at the very, very top, it's always obsolete. And here's another article that I just want to touch on, too, before I take any colors. And it says here, this is from the Wise Up Journal, the 30th of the 10th, 2008, by Gabriel O'Hara. The Daily Mail reports snow falling on London, the first time the capital has seen snow in October since 1934. Other areas of the southeast, including Hertfordshire, just 20 miles out of London, were covered in a thick blanket of snow. The Register reported, As you can see, ice has grown in nearly every direction since last summer, with a large increase in the area north of Siberia. Also note that the area around this northwest passage, west of Greenland, has seen a significant increase in ice. Some of the islands in the Canadian archipelago are surrounded by more ice than they were during the summer of 1980. NASA Marshall Space Flight Center and the University of Illinois announced the Arctic ice extent was 30% greater on August 11, 2008 than it was on August 12, 2007. The American Physical Society, an organization representing nearly 50,000 physicists, has reversed its stance on climate change. Reversed its stance. It's amazing how they can go completely one way, then completely the other, isn't it? And it's now proclaimed that many of its members disbelieve in human-induced global warming. Al Gore has a, a few UN, United Nations, IPCC experts, the majority of world politicians, the World Bank and the IMF, along with a large minority of ordinary people caught up in his message. Even George W. Bush says he believes in global warming. It's kind of like a religion. Do you believe in it? But he wants developing nations to commit at the same time as developed nations. Unfortunately for those people, a U.K. judge ruled Al Gore's movie an inconvenient catalogue of errors. The Guardian reported on the judge's ruler that the former U.S. vice president's apocalyptic vision had massive errors in all of his main points such as high sea levels rising, and so on. Unfortunately for those people who have been duped by such propaganda, and fortunately for humanity, our pockets, and freedom, the climate has not cooperated with the man-made global warming theory. Perhaps that is why the slogan has changed to climate change. Have you noticed that, too? They're not saying global warming so much because it's got a bad rap. But, you see, they want all the money and all the loots and all the power with all the agencies they've set up to rule us on climate change, they're calling it climate change, not global warming. Because It says here in this article, because the climate has never stopped changing, which is a truth, you see. For those who have never thought about it, that's a fact. It says, but we are led to believe that we have to give up freedoms and pay tax to try to stop it. Wikipedia states the following on Gore's political climate experts, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. The IPCC does not carry out research, nor does it monitor climate or related phenomena. A main activity of the IPCC is publishing special reports on topics relevant to the implementation of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. Nor other words, they all paid for propaganda purposes. Australian Medical Journal recommends parents to be charged $5,000 a head for every child after their second and an annual tax of up to $800. Couples who have more than two children should be charged a lifelong tax to offset their extra offspring, their spring's carbon dioxide emissions. Top rocket scientist and carbon accounting expert Dr. Richard Evans completely reversed his position on man-made global warming. The new ice cores show that in the past six global warmings over the past half a million years, the temperature rises occurred on average 800 years before the accompanying rise in atmospheric carbon, which says something important about which was the cause and which was the effect. He said. Evans explained why he first went along with the agenda. The evidence was not conclusive, but soon governments and the, and the scientific community were working together, and lots of science research jobs were created. Now, what's went along for, for the money? <laughs> we scientists had political support. Year of government, big budgets, and they felt fairly important and useful. Which is what I did anyway. It was great. We were working to save the planet and fill their pockets. When the Earth was warming from the 70s onwards, so was every other planet in our solar system. When the Earth starts to cool in recent years, so did every other planet in our solar system. But you can't tax the Sun. about taxing the Martians, eh? A few months after the Australian Medical Journal's Tax on Life recommendation... The British Medical Journal uh, journal recommends Chinese tyranny, Western style, explained to UK couples who plan a family that stopping at two children or at least having one less child than the first intended is the simplest and biggest contribution anyone can make. Investing in contraception would help in the fight against climate change. It's amazing how, again, the eugenicists have always planned all these big cons to convince the public To reduce our population, I was just reading an article on Europe, a big, massive foundation that works with policy for the Economic Union Parliament, and apart from all the massive surveillance systems they're bringing in there, and for every individual in in, every citizen in Europe, it's just mind-boggling what they're doing. But It was amazing even there to see how they were using all these terms, global warming and so on, as a reason for reducing the population. They they then went on to say that they'll have to massively increase the immigration into Europe because the population of Europe is dwindling very, very, very quickly. It's doublespeak, you see. And the reason they want to bring a massive population into Europe who who are not having children and haven't been having children, enough children to pay off the debt, of Europe. The reason we bring in all the other countries into Europe is to pay off that debt. So which is it? Are we, are we rapidly declining in population or are we multiplying too copiously? Which one is it? It's all doublespeak, you see. Or, in fact, does each and every one of us truly exist to serve the economy? If you ask the economist, he'll tell you that that is your purpose. What a system. What an incredible system. And the public don't know, nor do they care to know, as you well understand. I'm sure those who are getting frustrated by trying to get your message out to people you you know, and you're tearing your hair out by the roofs, they don't want to know. They watch the ball games, they watch the soaps, they watch all the movies, but they really, really don't want to know. It's rather sad. And what you find, too, is the frustration sets in because you have never been given any source to input any information into government policy yourself. You see, it's all been bypassed. This new system of democracy has bypassed the average individual citizen. It's set up to take pre-programmed NGOs as representing you. And you don't vote in the NGOs, the big foundations set them up. So the foundations which are a front for the big elite families of Europe and America run the world. It's as simple as that. Politics really is left as a stage show for those who still believe in the tooth fairy. And unfortunately, lots of them still do. As we see by the hype and the sheeple, two legs good, four legs bad, and it changes good. I'll be back with more after the following messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're cutting through the Matrix. It's so massive, there's so many rooms in this big artificial reality. To teach you an awful long time to work your way through them. And we'll go to the callers now. We've got Rick from California. Are you there, Rick?
0: Yes. Um, thank, thank you, Alan, for taking my call. Yes, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Um, I noticed that in, in the Patriot movement, a lot of people, in, including Freemasons, uh, stick up for Freemasons and they say, well, the Founding Fathers are Freemason. And and so I'm, I've, I've cre- I I'm call this the, uh, the paradox of the Founding Fathers that they would be for liberty and yet they were Freemason, and this this is how I resolved it, and I'm wondering if you could um, comment on it, um, like whether yeah. I'm right or not. The founding fathers must have known that the that the, um, the powers of nature could be harnessed to, to make massive weapons of destruction like nuclear w- warfare. They must have known this intuitively, and that in order to develop the weapons needed to conquer the world, they would need scientific progress and in order to achieve that they would they would have to have some freedom That for the scientists you you can't have progress when you lock up your Galileo Um, and so with with the full intention that You know because they believe they are reincarnated into their into their descendants that that at the appropriate time They would pull the rug out they would take out the freedom and then they would become the masters of the world
1: So yeah, what you you need really is a, a massive engine to work for you and the engine happens to be those in society So you give them a a fake freedom and a fake reality, a reward system, a Pavlovian reward system, and Mm. they will work your dream into existence for you. But we know that the Founding Fathers said that uh, the the United States would be eventually a federation, not only of the U.S., but of the world. And it's true that they're all Masons, and many of them are also into sciences. We find that uh, Franklin was experimenting with electricity and batteries. That uh, the, the leaden jar, and uh, we also find out too that that um, Jefferson was involved in the first mass production uh, of parts for weaponry, rather than hand forged, uh, hand made individual pieces. He was into the stamped steel type that eventually became popular. So they're all involved in using sciences, but they all belonged to, to uh, a Masonic institution that had come out of the Rosicrucian movement. And the Rosicrucian movement was called the underground stream, meaning it always was there underneath society to an extent, and they kept their secrets of science to themselves, and they did work through science. They believed, uh, that, just like Francis Bacon with his new Atlantis, that America, this place that we could rise in the West, would be the, the new star that would guide the world. And um, the star, by the way, and, and they're called books, is called Marika or America which is oh. America wow. uh, that's that but that was written you know uh, over a thousand years ago so, but uh, but the book itself Bacon's one was written and published published in 1602 but written in 1588 so uh, in there he described the function of this this country that would have an elite um, hidden group of scientists running the country and he meant social sciences too. But it would have a front organization for the general public, which we now call politics and politicians. So they knew from the beginning what their role was to be. And this goes all the way back into the old alchemists of the ancient uh, Middle East uh, and and also the ones of the Middle Ages as well. They always swore to keep their secrets of science to themselves because by doing so they'd gain power over all kings and become indispensable for rulers. But thanks for calling. from Oh, myself. Uh, it's in Ontario, Canada, which has been heavily sprayed and very foggy. It's good night, and your God, all your gods, go with you. Mm-hmm.